Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I am very excited to have this gentleman on today with us. Their company, it is Lima Homes. They actually just jumped into real estate investing a few short years ago, two and a half years ago, doing extraordinary numbers on the short-term rental side. And they have so many creative strategies. They're doing it long distance. They have an amazing partnership with some good friends of ours. And it's really cool because they've raised over $3 million at this point. They're anticipated and expected to do well over $2 million in Rev this year alone. And it's just their short-term rentals, guys. And they have some amazing themes that they're getting really creative with that are bringing in awesome, like unbelievable numbers in comparison to just normal Airbnbs or even obviously way better than the, the long-term rentals. So. This is going to be an awesome episode. Really excited to have our guest on today. So Jeff, what's going on, man? How are you? Good, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. You're in the Utah area, correct? Yeah, yeah. We're out of the Salt Lake City area. Okay, cool. But you're investing in all these other areas uh, around <laughs> the country. So for anybody out there that doesn't know who you are, where you're from, like what you're up to, do you mind just diving in a little bit more? Uh, yeah, so that for we- sure. Totally. Yeah. And um, happy to give a little background. We get that question a lot. It's like, what the heck are you doing? You know, investing in vacation rentals in Florida when you're in Utah. And that really is, 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 uh, gets into my background. So I come from the data analysis tech startup world. I joined a startup about seven, eight years ago, a company that did commerce analytics. And my background's always just been as an, an analyst. And I just love the numbers, I just swim in the numbers. And I was actually at my job when I started, bought my first vacation rental. Yeah. And it was actually in a little place called Joshua Tree, California. I just ran the numbers and tried to figure out the most profitable place I could find in the whole country and within reasonable distance from where I was at and found a little place out there. And this little town in Joshua Tree had great numbers, but it didn't have a lot of inventory in terms of what I was looking for in a nice vacation rental. And that's where I met my partners, Kyle and Verdi, and, and they were flipping homes across the country. They were just building these amazing homes. And I was like, guys, we should do a deal. I'll buy a home from you. You go, you flip it, and you know, let's do a vacation rental there. And they did a great job. They themed it out. They bought this dome house, like trailers all around it for bedrooms. And like, it was just awesome, and it worked really well. So fast forward, we felt like the model was working, and it was, it was super profitable. And they were looking at their flipping business like, man, like this guy's killing it with his numbers. Like we should just do this full time. And so, you know, with my data background and their real estate background, we teamed up and decided to build Loma Homes. And Loma Homes has been growing for the last two and a half years and have 13 properties in Florida and specializing, we're just specializing in creating experiences for guests. So building unique themes and immersive type things. So it's been a fun road and we're excited to grow. Now, Brandy, in the past, she's actually sent me a link to some of your guys' properties. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer and I were both like amazed. Like you guys do some really cool, unique 
type of styles to like capture the audience, like capture the kids, even just like shock the adults, right? So I'm curious, how the heck do you guys come up with the themes? And like, whose side is that? Is that more on their end or is that the creative side with you as well? So I'd say it's both. It starts with a very data heavy background and it starts by determining profitable locations, right? Sure. And it's it's just looking at the economics and saying, compare the average revenue of an area compared to the average home price and finding the biggest difference between those two things is where we start start to focus. Then once we find areas, then we, we start to ask ourselves the why, right? Why are people coming to this location? And we do some 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 tricky footwork on the data side to figure out why. And example, one of those things is we take all the five-star reviews of an area, we'll scrape all the reviews and we'll throw it into a text analyzer to figure on, out- On Airbnb or where yeah. you find the Airbnb, VRBO, wherever. Mm-hmm. And if you do a, run a text analyzer on all these reviews, you'll find out pretty quickly why people are coming there and what drives a good profitable rental. Wow. Um, so we did that for like Nashville, for example. and. We found that the, the top keywords were bachelor party and bachelorette party. And we were like, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm looking for it. No, I'm not. Yeah, that's not how I want to make money. So we decided not to do Nashville. And when we looked at like Orlando and some of those places, it was really clear that people were coming for the theme. And we looked at some of the top properties and we were like, whoa, like these properties that put some cheap vinyl stickers of minions on their wall yeah. are doing way more than the properties that are just like nice. Wow. And we thought, we can do better than that. Like we can do better than just these like cheap vinyl stickers. Let's build custom beds and put fog machines and, and special effects and lighting. And, and, and so we did and it, and it worked and it was kind of a big bet because we obviously those things are expensive. Right. Yeah. But using the data, we, we, we started picking themes and then we actually went out to social media and said, Hey guys, what do you want? You know, what, what do you think would be successful here? Yeah. And we get a lot of engagement from people saying, hey, like, try this theme or try that theme. And we, we start to get people involved that way, too. So it's a combination of things. Yeah, I really love how you ask the people, you know, like the best way to ever get the concrete answer is like, ask the guests, ask the people in general, like, hey, if you're traveling in this location, what would really capture your attention? And if it's the same price or close to it, you know, why wouldn't you pick that one? Right. Yeah. So, very smart. So you talked a little bit about figuring out the location, but is there anything else that comes into play with really determining those specific locations? Because I know you're not just in Florida, you're in several other states as well, correct? Well, right now, so we started in California, we ended up selling that property. So right now we are just in Florida. We have two locations in Florida. We have like the Gulf Coast beach properties, and then we have our themed properties in Orlando. Love it. Okay, cool. So. Is there any other techniques that go into driving in that location, like job growth, population growth, or just tourist trap area? Yeah. I mean, those, those things we certainly take into account. We'll look at things like revenue growth mm-hmm. to make sure that it's a good, strong uptrend. We'll look at regulation. That's a big one to make sure that you know, we can legally exist there because you know a lot of smaller vacation rental businesses will... We'll look for areas where there is no regulation and we would prefer that there is regulation for the positive than no regulation at all because you get into these small areas and this happened to us at joshua tree where you know there was no regulation we thought great anything goes and that's kind of what the city even told us so like yeah like there's no regulation it's fine 
And then the regulation comes later and they're like, actually, you know, these are the rules on it. And then you have to just abide by those. And so we just, we felt like it's important to invest in established markets where the city gives you a legal right to be a short-term rental owner. And that's why we just make sure that we follow the city laws and make sure that we dot our I's and cross our T's. And especially when we're taking on, you know, investor capital to grow, we got to make sure that we're not taking that risk. Yeah, I love that. That's a common question that we get as well doing short-term rentals is, hey, I'm scared or I'm nervous about the city changing in the future. If you know we can't do short-term rentals, what, what are you going to do then? So have you ever come across those concerns? And yeah. um, your city is very heavily on you know, pro air short-term rentals. Yeah. And that's the other thing is if you, if you move into competitive markets where there's thousands of rentals, like we're in Orlando, there's yeah. tens of thousands. Yeah. You think about how much revenue that the city would lose if they outlawed short-term rentals. And you think about the thousands of owners that would sue the city if they tried to outlaw them. You know, there's, I'm not saying that anything is secure and nothing is a hundred percent, but those elements certainly add an additional layer of security. And you want to make sure that you're joining a team of owners that can help you fight legislation if it comes up. Yeah, that's very good. Cool. So you're doing it, what is that, like 3,000 miles away, a little over probably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. So how are you managing that? Great question. I get that question a lot. In fact, there's no substitute for boots on the ground. So you really do need to have somebody there that obviously to clean the properties, to turn the properties, make sure that they're, you've got eyes and ears making sure that they're maintaining the quality of your properties. But there's a lot of things that can be done offsite. And those things include a lot of the guest communication. We do all that in-house because to be honest, we've just never found a property management company that will take care of guests like we do, right? You, yeah. you, you've seen the same thing. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, honestly. Um, it is. Yeah. But what's cool behind that is it really forces you to systemize and to get your ducks in a row and really make sure that you're organized. Like you said, you always need boots on the ground, but that is manageable if you can find the right trustworthy person. And then as long as you build the systems around it, you know, you can really make it this work long distance. Yeah. And we're huge proponents of scale and thinking scale. And so I encourage people to invest in out of state because it, like you said, it forces you to build the systems and processes you need to sure. not be owned by your business. The thing always goes work on your business, not in your business. And if a vacation rental can consume you really fast if you're not thinking scale. So yeah. we hire virtual assistants that we've you know, interviewed and trained to handle a lot of that guest communication. Mm. And they're trained to call plumbers and electricians and whatever they need to do to get things done if needs be. And then they communicate with the cleaners and the inspectors to make sure things get done there too. And then we, we pay like a per booking rate so that they can get compensated for their work. And then we obviously give them a bonus for five-star reviews and things like that. I love that. Well, you mentioned a lot of good things right there, but I do want to comment that I'm personally a living testimony behind this, that when we first started investing in real estate, we did it 3,000 miles away over in Ohio. Being in San Diego, you know, it's a big leap and a jump, but I'm really glad and thankful that we actually set it up that way because I know for a fact I'm a little bit more controlling in the beginning. Like, if it was locally here, I would have been there every day. I would have been wasting money, wasting time. Yep. And it would have just been more of a pain. So it really did make me, it forced me to have to set up the systems like you mentioned. So that's great. 
Agreed. Um, but you mentioned VAs. We haven't set up VAs yet. So on the selfish side, I'm very interested in utilizing and leveraging VAs in the future for our short-term rentals. Can you just speak a little bit on that of, you know, how you guys find them and what kind of education or training are you, are you giving? Yeah. What I'd say is, uh, well, so we've created a brand that is kind of known or we, we want to be known for high-end, right? We want to be known yeah. for a bit, uh, almost, almost luxury in a way. Well, and so what that allows you to do is focus on quality and increase, you know, allows you to pay a little bit more for a cleaner. It allows you to pay a little bit more for a VA so that they speak really good English. And so that's what I love about sticking to the high end to allow, to allow the profit margins. And so what we've done is we've gone to Upwork and we just posted, you know, a customer service, you know, rep needed for vacation rentals. And we got a ton of applications. Yeah. And English as a first language is a must for us. Yeah. There's nothing that turns off a guest quicker than just having this broken English person being like, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I've rented from a home that Vacasa managed and it was so clear that this guy was in India because I got responses at three in the morning at the day after or day or two later from my initial message. Yeah. It was broken English. He had no clue what was going on with the property. He had no idea on the details of it. and you just can't have that. So it's really important to find somebody who's English as a first language, who has some background in hospitality and customer service. And then you got to interview that person, you know, just on a Zoom call or whatever, and just make sure they have the presence to be able to take calls if necessary. They're going to need to be able to handle, you know, frustrated guests if they call and they're like, what's going on with this, you know, and, and they need to be able to calm people down. And so you got to be willing to pay a little bit extra for that. You know, you can't hire someone, just anybody from the Philippines to take care of that for you. And not to discount Philippine oh, yeah. uh, VRs. Some of them are awesome. I yeah. just haven't personally, you know, had great experiences. And so I think if you can interview them and, they, and you're confident in their customer service abilities, sure. then you don't have to babysit so much. You don't have to create like templates for every response. I mean, if you're creating templates for every response, well, then use your templates, don't use a VA, right? You, you want to hire somebody for their brain a little bit and let them hire somebody that can think on the fly a little bit and make decisions for your business that you can trust. Mm. So that's something that we're big proponents of is hire good people and don't babysit them. Yeah, this is so good. I'm making a note that when it comes down, you know, time for us to actually get that VA, We'll definitely be rewatching this one. <laughs> you know, we've made the template so far and we've done the copy and paste and it's been really good, but it is a certain personality type, I believe. And like my personality type would not work for customer service. I would be a little bit too blunt and a little bit, you know, when people are reaching out, they're reaching out because they are frustrated possibly, or they need something. So the customer service going above and beyond, it's very important. So I love all those tips. That's great. Talk about the cleaning crew for a second, because I personally think that's like the secret ingredient behind oh, yeah. a short-term rentals. How did you find your cleaners and what does that look like? Yeah, it's such a good question because I, I feel like half of your review score depends on your cleaner. Yeah. The other half is your communication. Yeah. So if you've got a good VA and a good cleaner, there's no reason you should have anything less than a five-star review. Um, so to go on that, we have really been learning a lot in the last year about the type of process that you need to put in place to get consistently good cleans. And look, we're still figuring it out. We've improved a lot of things recently, but what I'd say is 
the worst thing you can do is hire a cleaning company or a cleaning lady and assume it's all going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> in the Not current work out like that. Trust. No, the, in the current labor market, we got lucky with our first vacation rental. We just had a really good cleaner. We almost never had complaints about her. She just did a great job. And if you find that great, that, that, that might be, but it's not a scalable thing. You can't, can't plan on that. You really need a better process. And what we've found is that you need to have a cleaner and an inspector, yeah. a third party company or person yeah. that is personally accountable for the review and the, and the cleaning score. That's so um, and they have to be two separate companies. And the cleaning company has to know that there's going to be somebody that's going to personally inspect their job and they will get feedback if it's not done right. Yes. So having both those steps in place has been critical for us and has really improved our consistency of cleaning. And you don't have to be a huge company to afford that. I mean, we pay our inspectors sometimes 50 bucks to go inspect, but we, are, we also do larger properties. So that may be part of it is, we, we can charge a little bit more for our clean because we have larger properties. Yeah. So take that in, into account. But still, I think that if you call one cleaning company to do the clean and you call another cleaning company to do the inspections, and a lot of them are like, yeah, I mean, if all I have to do is stop by and run through a checklist, make sure everything's done, ready for the guest, then they're willing to do that. And, and it's also a separate mindset. You know, cleaners get in this mode that are like, I got to do, I just got to like, get into this groove. They got to run, they got to go fast. The, a lot of same day turnovers make them go really quickly, but cleaning is a different thing than like guest ready and guest ready is like, okay, now the inspector has to walk in as a guest and it's a different, yeah. min- different mindset. They got to think how many toilet paper rolls and like, how is this really presented? Is the guest going to like this? Or are they not? Cleaners yeah. are not thinking about that. And that's why you, I think you both, both have. I love that. That's uh, we've never even considered that to have like a, we we do have our assistant go over it and check and like unexpectedly on certain occasions, but having a strict role for that, I, I think, it is really crucial and sets it apart. Now, my question behind that is, if that inspector walks in and there is something that's dirty or out of order, do you have them fix it and clean it or? Just report back. The first thing you want them to do is take a picture of it. Yes. Because the reality, I mean, they're usually going in within an hour of the guest arrival. Yeah. So there's no time to have the cleaner go back and fix things. They have to fix them, but you want them to take a picture of what was wrong before they fix it so that you can give that feedback back to the cleaner and get any kind of, you know, some, depending on how you work out your your contract, you know, there's a, a ding the cleaner gets deducted from their cleaning fee if there's things that the inspector has to do. Mm. You have that in a contract with them, basically. Okay. Yeah. So like, for example, well, I guess it it depends. I mean, it depends on how you want to work at it. The way we have it is if there's a, if there's a cleaning complaint from a guest, there's an automatic like deduction. And if that guest can prove with pictures that something should have been done and wasn't, then we have deduction. And we also reward the cleaners if there's no cleaning complaints whatsoever and they have five-star cleanings, for the whole month, they get a bonus for that. Month. I love uh, it. What kind of bonuses are you giving? It's usually like it's not huge. It's usually like fifty bucks a month for each property. Yeah, for five star cleans, which is totally worth it. If you get nothing but five star cleaning reviews, fifty bucks should be worth it. And then it's an immediate seventy five dollar deduction if they if a guest complains about something that they should have done. Mm, that's good. I love this, man. I am 
selfishly, I'm taking a lot of notes here and it's like really going to help our business. So <laughs> first off, I just want to thank you for <laughs> my business, but uh, I know all the yeah. uh, listeners are tuning in and taking notes as well. If you guys aren't, man, you are missing out on <laughs> notes right now. I'm filling up my page. Awesome. Well, Jeff, let's talk about the investors because it, it takes a team, right? Like you guys know that it's, it's not just you, a one man show, but it, it takes an army to actually build the big vision and big goals that you guys really have here. So um, I know you handle the investor relationships, correct? Yeah, that's right. Cool. Do you mind just speaking a little bit in regards to that and what it looks like? Yeah. And it might help to back up a little bit just to kind of explain why we take on investors versus yeah. maybe funding it yourself. So when we started our partnership, we kind of created a five-year goal for ourselves and we really wanted to create a business that we could exit in the next, you know, five years okay. and sell at evaluation. I love it. It's so, yeah, that's awesome. That was, that's how you I should could, always, honestly, that's how let's, let's cut, you know, the BS right now. It's like, you should always start any business with that mindset. You know, I've read that in several books. If you're not doing that, then you're really not systemizing it properly. And you're not really growing a business. You're, you're working in the business. Yes, I agree. So for us, you know, money is just a means to an end. You know, we're all, I think most real estate investors can say that they're doing this not because they necessarily are passionate about managing real estate. They're, they're, they're passionate about the income it generates so that they can go do the life that they want, right? And that's, for us, we're like, okay, we're, we want to sell a company that gives us the life that we want. So then you work backwards. You say, all right, that means we need to sell a company for X million dollars so that we can live passively on 5% a year or whatever it is, right? And so we determined that number and then worked backwards and said, all right, well, if the company is going to sell for that much, typical multiples for companies in our market is, let's say, 3x. I'm just making that number up. 3x of profit. Okay. So that means that when you sell a company for this much, that means our profit needs to be this much in five years. How much profit does each property make? Yeah. Okay. So that's how many properties we need over the next five years to sell and get what we need out of this event this venture. And for us, that's 80 to hundred properties over the next five years. And that number may change as we go. If the profitability increases or, or other factors can, can change that. But we started the business with this mindset of we are going to get 80 to 100 properties in the next five years. That is the goal. And we're going to reach this profit margin. And the only way we could reach that number is if we brought on a lot of other people's money, a lot of other capital, because the bank obviously will carry 75% of the home, but who's going to cover the down? I mean, are you going to buy 25% of 80 homes? Like you yeah. have, most people don't have that kind of capital, right? For us, that's like $20 million. Sure. So how do you get that $20 million? Well, you have to start behaving like a company that can handle $20 million. Mm -hmm. And that's what really shifted our mindset into like, we need to professionalize ourselves. We need to get all our ducks in a row. We need to make sure that an investor can look at us and say, yeah, I'll write you a check of $5 million because I trust that you'll take care of it. And now you start to think a little bit more like a, you know, a professional company that does syndications. And that's what we do is we, we raise funds every year for a certain amount. That fund covers the down payment, the rehab, staging, anything that required to get that property up and running. And basically it's a passive investment for the investor. And then we do all the work and then there's a profit split. And that's just how our model works. And that's kind of, kind of long way of saying 
how we do investors and how investor relationships work. But I think it's important to kind of give the background context for those listeners that are wondering, should I take on investor capital? Depends on how big you want to be and how fast. Yeah. A lot of people are thinking, you know, more of a hobby type business where they just want enough cash flow to like not work ever again. And if that's what you're looking for, that, that's totally a, an option, right? Yeah. You don't need very many properties. If you're going to manage them all yourself and you just want to have like 10 grand a month coming in, you need like three or four properties, you're done, you know, yeah. and you might be able to fund that yourself with some refinancing and first strategies or whatever you want to do. It's, it's just for us, we wanted to kind of go all in, go big, sell a brand and get out. And I so that's why we took on investor capital. And that's roughly what, a five-year goal or? Technically, we're two years into that five-year goal. Okay. So I'm very much hoping that we can hit that five-year goal. However, if I'm honest with myself, I have to say our goals are pretty aggressive. <laughs> I like and it. Getting, yeah. I mean, our goals for this year to get another 16 properties, which is just a lot operationally. And so we're figuring that out. But assuming we can get the capital we need, we can handle it. We can get the, you know, we have the team in place to, to get that many and to put that many up. But, you know, we're, we're learning as we go. So. so I don't think I clarified this in the very beginning. Are you guys doing the birth strategy? Are you guys buying these properties yourself? Or are you doing some kind of uh, like arbitrage? They're all owned ourselves. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, if you own the property, you can control the inventory. And yes. you can build a brand. Yep. If you're a property manager, you're at the will and of the owner who yep. may or may not want to invest in the property. And it's very hard to build a brand around that and sure. an experience around that. So we're our niche in the market is experiences. And because we control the inventory, we can do that. No one else can really do that in the market. And so that's kind of the strategic advantage that we have. So number one, that's a huge advantage. But the other reason that's an advantage is if you own these assets, there's a whole nother strategy here that we haven't talked about, but I think most people are overlooking. And that is, if you've ever heard of repurposing real estate, where you take a residential property, kind of convert it to a commercial property and then sell it. Sure. The advantage of that is you buy it as a residential value, you turn it into a commercial value where it's profiting something, and then you sell it at a multiple of that profit. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we're doing with short-term rentals. But in order to accomplish that strategy, you have to have a portfolio. You can't sell one property at a cap rate. Yeah. No bank is going to give you that value. What's really amazing too is as you guys systemize this and really have it fully functioning and just a beast of a, you know, individual properties as itself, you could almost sell it as a turnkey to other yeah. investors at a premium because totally. you know the last couple of years of what it's bringing in and it's just so simple. So I love that. Exactly. And and what we're really trying to do is is put a portfolio together that's large enough where an institutional investor would come and say, Hey, you know, I'm paying hundreds of millions of dollars for a five cap yeah. on this other real estate thing. You're telling me you can give me an eight cap and we can do that easy. We could double the value of our properties and still sell it at an eight cap for these investors. I love it. So now we're tapping into a whole nother market of buyers that are big buyers, right? These guys write hundreds of millions of dollars every day without thinking about it. And all that matters for them is that cap rate. So if sure. you give them a cap rate of 8%, you still double the value of your properties in two years and they get a great cap rate. So that's really the, the long-term strategy is let's buy 80 to hundred homes. Let's put them together as a business, sell it as a business and make a huge profit margin. On it. So like back to Wall Street in the future, Blackstone and make a fortune. Blackstone, exactly. So Blackstone does this, right? They buy tons of uh, single family rentals. They're single family homes. 
they bundle them together, sell them at a cap rate, and they make a huge killing on it. But think about that same model, but applied to short-term rentals where you're profiting triple what you'd normally profit on a single family home. Sure. And you've got a model nobody's doing yet. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I love it. And so after you purchase, you're, you're purchasing distressed properties, you're doing the full renovation. Are you doing the cash out refinance afterwards? Yeah. And that's part of how we increase the return for investors. So the investors will put in, you know, the money that we need to get like the bridge loan or construction loan. Yeah. It's usually higher interest, right? It's like uh, what they call that hard money lender. Yeah. We use that money to rehab the property and then we refinance it. And then whatever equity we can build into it, like the birth strategy, we will give that back to our investors to pay yeah. down their principal. Yep. They keep the same amount of equity, but it pays down their principal. So now their cash on cash is higher. Yeah. I love that. And so are you guys all just all using cash from private or are you taking out hard money loan and then just bridging the rest from private? Yeah. So we're taking the hard money and then bridging the rest with, with investor it. capital. Yeah. Very smart. Cool. Yeah. I, I love that. What about, I'm sure you're familiar with like the 80-20 rule as far as a, a lot of the things we spend, maybe our portfolio in general, 80% of it. Or 20% of it, I believe, would be like the worst stuff. Or 20% of it, I believe, is doing the best, doing the yeah. highest numbers. And 80% of it is like kind of drawn out. So I know you have a goal of 80 to 100 properties that are producing a certain percentage. Have you looked at you know, the whole portfolio and kind of identified maybe we could get away with just 40 properties mm-hmm. at this, you know, the, this higher percentage mark? That's a good question. We haven't gotten that far yet just because we went from three properties to 13 properties in about a year. Yeah. Uh, And it's growing quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Only three of our properties have that enough history to look back and say, yeah, these are our top performers or or these aren't. And so we really need to give properties. We have enough time to really look at that, but I'm sure the 80, 20 rule will show itself in our company as well. And I'm not sure how we'll decide to handle the bottom 80%. But it's an interesting question. And one of the ideas we've considered is because we've separated our company into a a, a property management company that handles the assets and we have an asset company that, you know, that holds the assets, we can sell off the properties and still manage them. Yep. And so we may do a model like that where we sell off assets at a cap rate in bundles, keep the brand of the property management company and continue to manage that way. So we're figuring that out. That's brilliant. I love it. So the current investors that you have, you set up a syndication, right? To be able to have the money coming in, fund it properly and so forth. If anybody's interested in that or getting more information, what would that look like for being on the investor side? Yeah. What we typically do is we'll send over some you know, initial information. They can reach out to me directly. Our, you can find us on our website at www.loma-homes.com. Or you can just email us at info at loma-homes.com. But we usually send over like a one-pager summary so people can kind of get a, get a feel of what it looks like. And then I'll, I just jump on a call with anybody who's interested and yeah. talk about details, answer questions. And, and then there's like some logistics. People ask us a lot, like, how does it work? Like, let's say I'm interested. When do you need the capital? What goes first? Do you find the property first? And then get the, you know, and I can, I can answer that question if you want to talk about that. But that's high level how it works. I love it. Very cool. And then you guys have a product out right now, right? For learning more about short-term rentals, how to get creative, staging, long distance, the whole nine, right? You guys really cover. Mm-hmm. How does that look and how can people get a hold of that? 
Great question. Again, that's on our website. You can go to www.loma-homes.com and click on coaching. So we do have a coaching course for people. Uh, and that kind of was born organically out of just a lot of questions. We get a lot of emails from yeah. people who find our properties online and they're like, how did you do this? Like, how did you create homes like this? And they want to understand like under the hood, how did you come up with yeah. this? And so that's kind of what we like to share. And we're really an open book on the numbers and, and helping people understand and really having confidence that we, we find a lot of people that are like, I want to get into this, but just want to make sure that I'm not making any big mistakes. And so we created the coaching course to help people with high level information. Then we do kind of a weekly call with our students to help them feel comfortable with the specific decisions they're making. So we just like, I don't know, I guess we have an abundance mentality. We want to help as yeah. much as we can. And we know that'll come back to us eventually. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Tenfold as always. I love that. Totally. Well, I, I love where your heart's at, man. I'm really excited to see what the heck you guys do in the future because I've already seen some of the portfolio and it's just amazing, really inspiring, truthfully. And this episode has been awesome because I have like a dozen little things that I need to change up in, in our short-term rentals. So I, I greatly appreciate your time. How can people get a hold of you? Absolutely. So you can email us at info at loma-homes.com. Uh, or just reach out on our website, www.lomahomes.com, loma-homes.com. Cool. And then anything that you would leave with the audience, you know, if they're interested in getting started in short-term rentals and uh, they, they just don't know like, hey, should I do the arbitrage? Should I actually purchase? Is there anything that you get a lot that you're like, hey, I, I want to leave you with this? Yeah, it's a good, such a great question. And I, I have like a million in my head, but I'm trying know, to boil yeah. down to one. What I would say, and this is probably just biased because of who I am, but trust your numbers. Um, mm. There are a lot of gurus out there that want your money. And I'm not here to tell you that any gurus are bad, but I've heard a lot of the top gurus say things that do not match with the numbers we see. Mm. And so they sound good. They're, they're things that sound good to people and they sell. Sure. So what I would tell you is that number one, trust your numbers. Number two, I mean, I'm not saying gurus, again, get a, get a good mentor, but if the numbers don't match with what they're saying, trust the yeah. numbers. That's so good. Yeah. Numbers don't lie at the end of the day. So I love 100%. that. Yeah. Well, Jeff, bro, I appreciate you greatly for jumping on today. Nothing but fire from you. So really excited. Like I said, we'll definitely be connecting more in the future and, and watching the progress over the years. Is there anything that either myself or the audience could do to give back to you? Um, no, I mean, we're, we're here to help. And I think, like I said, we have an abundance mentality. So if you can let us help you. I'm sure we'll help each other. And if you know anyone interested in investing and, and uh, being engaged with short-term rentals without having to manage their own properties, you know, reach out. And I love it. Cool. And guys, I highly encourage reach out to him and be able to, you know, figure out what the missing pieces are. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of questions after this episode. If you took as many notes as I did, then you're going to want to reach out to Jeff and put the missing pieces together. They have an amazing content as well to be able to really get you started. If you have any questions on the creative side of, of getting it all systemized and doing it 3000 miles away, raising the money, getting the themes together. So really high level content that they have. I highly encourage you to check it out. And with that being said, as always, make sure you hit that subscribe button for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast so you get the newest notification every single Monday. And do us a favor, leave a five-star review. Give us feedback on how these episodes are. If you have any comments, concerns, or questions, reach out to us. Would love any of the feedback that you give. 
And if you are interested in connecting with me personally, then you can check out, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you need any credit repair done for you services, you can check out creditrepairmobile.com. Otherwise, if you're looking to just get educated with credit and understanding how we are educating you on how the banks and lenders are judging you, how to fix credit very quickly, how to build up several six figures, even up to seven figures in funding on personal and business side, and then being able to leverage it to purchase properties like we have, complete all your remodels so you're not getting screwed over by contractors and leveraging it into several other businesses like e-com and traveling for free, then you can check out creditcounselelite.com. With that being said, this was an awesome episode. Jeff, thank you so, so much for jumping on. And uh, we'll catch you. yeah, we'll catch you on there, guys, on the very next episode next Monday. Stay tuned. Stay blessed. Till next time. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.